Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Phoenix, Arizona, it's time for Phoenix Business Radio, spotlighting the city's best businesses and the people who lead them. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of AZ Brandcast. AZ Brandcast. Where we talk to all sorts of awesome people from here in Arizona about the power of brand and how to build great brands in our remarkable state of Arizona. I'm your host, Mike Jones, and my co-host, Christopher Stadler. Oh, Christopher. All right, we're going going, a little upscale today. Inspired. And I'm super excited to have Brandon and Brad from Cradle, C-R-A-D-L, on the show today. I'm really excited about having you guys on. I don't know everything about you guys, so that's part of why I'm excited to learn a lot more about what you guys are doing. Um, And a little bit about Cradle, the Collaborative Research and Design Lab. Is that right? I get the acronym correct? We change the C from now and then, but... Okay. That kind of flips in and out. I like it. Yep. We'll talk about that. We will. Uh, And you guys have aligned two decades of child life research with socially impactful business development in order to drive exploration and innovation in technologies, media, and services. And I like this, kind of the end goal is to save, help, and delight children, families, and educators. Right. That's a that's a lofty mission. That's really cool. I right. like that a lot. And we're almost there. Yeah, clearly we've almost <laughs> solved, <laughs> solved it all, all of that. <laughs> <laughs> and then just specifically, your guys's role. So, Brad, your role. Um, I liked your little quote here you gave us. So you say, "I explain children to adults and adults to children." Right. That's awesome. Well, that's been my career so far. So, you know, I started off actually in direct service uh, here in the valley, running after school programs. Uh, But then I got involved in research, first of all, doing policy research for governments. So studying incarcerated kids, uh, studying, you know, juvenile prisons or violence prevention programs. And I got sick of that, Mm. mostly got sick of being in juvenile prisons. And I was looking for something else. And there was an ad for a company that studied media. And I convinced them that the same techniques I was using to study children in prisons could be applied to children in media. Uh, And they bought it. So for the first part of my career, um, after doing kind of research on at-risk youth, then I got to study children as television viewers and Mm -hmm. as, you know, video game players and so forth. And that transitioned into my own company because I wanted to do both. That's really cool. And you're kind of the, uh, I don't know if it's self-titled or not, but you are the resident scholar. At Cradle. Is that, is that correct? But, uh, I'm the brains and Brandon's the beauty <laughs> in, in the group for sure. Yeah. Or, or also, beyond beauty, also the builder. I think that was the other term that right. we were kind of throwing around. That's so, right. Making stuff happen. That's right. Yeah. Well, and I think, we, and we'll, maybe we'll get into the story a little bit about how mm-hmm. uh, Brad and I got connected. But I think for me, you know, being the startup junkie that I am, I've you know, been part of a number of startups, uh, started mentoring and advising a few years ago, which is about the time I met Brad. And it just seemed like his insight, his expertise in that particular audience was really interesting and really valuable. Uh, Not only just for me personally, because as my kids started getting older, I started to feel a lot more of kind of their struggles, not just within school, but just kind of the school environment itself. Obviously, a lot of products and services that were being Mm -hmm. promoted to uh, kids and teachers and families in general. And and so it was just this kind of fascinating experience for me to understand his insights and, and how he was applying a lot of thinking to some of these bigger companies. Hmm. So what if we could do that for startups? And not just selfishly, like, what could we do? But like, what if we brought more of that insight into this ecosystem? <clears throat> what would that mean for this ecosystem? As you know, I mean, I'm, I'm all about 
building community, building communities around entrepreneurs and startups and, and the performance around growing companies here. It felt like that that was certainly a, a, a gap in this ecosystem. If you mm-hmm. just focused in on on that particular audience around kids primarily, then kind of secondary around families and educators. So, um, and that was almost five years ago. Mm-hmm. So we've we've had some time to work on some of those things. We'd love to share a bit of that. Yeah, definitely. I'm excited to get more into that story. Um, but first, before we do, I do have to mention our sponsor, Conscious Capitalism Arizona. So, Chris, if you want to do our little highlight, that's right. Yeah, we're thankful to our friends at Conscious Capitalism Arizona who sponsor the podcast. Uh, this local association is on a mission to share with the whole world how doing good in your business is dot, 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 just good business. Uh, this local chapter of Conscious Capitalism Incorporated hosts tons of local events, uh, including the, the, Nash, the worldwide annual conference we just had in Phoenix, um, provides resources for business leaders to install a higher purpose in their company and engage all their stakeholders. Find out how to get involved at ConsciousCapitalismAZ.com, which will be, which has been updated uh, since the event. Yes. Uh, and so we have, uh, we have new content up there. So That's great. Everybody check it out. That's awesome. Yeah. Thanks to all of our friends at Conscious Capitalism Arizona for supporting the show and making it, making sure it happens. Can I, can I ask the icebreaker? Yeah, let's do the icebreaker. Yeah. And then we can jump back into uh, kind of what you guys are doing. So I'm excited. Yeah. So it's a it's an emergency icebreaker. It's kind of like in case of emergency, break glass. Yep. If you need an icebreaker, yeah, this is the I one. Like it. So because we're in Arizona and it's the Easy Brandcast, and so what I'm interested in knowing is what's the most ridiculous thing about the Arizona heat? Example: mm. summertime, it's like hundred and what, like seventeen. Just what, like what's what happens when it's hundred and seventeen? Well, I'm just. Given our extended spring, I don't even think this is fair to even be thinking about that right now. <laughs> We're removed. So I prefer we find Quite another icebreaker. Yeah. <laughs> I'm enjoying that it's made. This is more of an ice melter yeah. than an actual break. It's a buzzkill is what this is. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's true. That's true. Uh, well, obviously, when my daughter was little and we'd be at like a family-friendly restaurant and they would give her like crayons and something to color with. <sighs> And then days later, you'd look in the <laughs> cup holders of your car, and it would be this like abstract art in the bottom of all your cup holders uh-huh. as they melted together. Yep. Yeah, I'm always, I don't know, there's so many things I don't want to think about right now when it comes to the heat. I'm with Brandon. I got a fun fact for you. Oh, yeah, let's go for it. So the hottest day on record in Phoenix, does anybody know what the temp was or even remotely what the date was? Ooh. I'm going to guess 123 just because that seems like the right number. That's super high, but yeah. I'll go 124. I'll go for the over. Oh, all right. All right. Cool. I don't know. If this is the price is right. Yeah, are these price of right? Yeah, yeah I don't know. It was 122. Oh, wow. Chris, you Dang. And it was in 19... I should know this. And the only reason why I should know this is because I was pushing shopping carts oh. at my first job, which was at a grocery store. Oh. Hottest day on a record. What year around was it? This would have been 90. This probably would have been 90 or 91. Yeah, it was like early 90s. Wow. I remember that. Yeah. It was, it was a, a big yeah. deal. Yeah. I guarantee your kids know that date from all oh, the times you tell them that story. <laughs> oh, yeah. You think <laughs> you had they, it rough. Anytime we, go, anytime we go to a Target or a Costco, any grocery store where they have like the automated cart pushing the carts, mm-hmm. it's like, you know what, kids? They didn't have that back yeah. in my day. 
I was behind. <laughs> yep. Now it's just a, it's a remote control car moving carts in. So that's what you need in Arizona in the summertime. The remote control. Oh, yeah. Anything outside should have remote Anything. control. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just think about like walking on pavement and just it gets sticky and soft. And you're just like, mm. this is not supposed to happen. <laughs> and that's how freaking hot it is. Wait, what gets sticky and soft? Your shoe? Asphalt. Like, it just feels like. Asphalt squishy. gets, gets squishy. Ah. I'm so glad we clarified that. Yeah. Well, we get, yeah. well, yeah, yeah. Um, well, you know, what, what amazes me is your, your tire, the black from your tires comes off on your driveway mm-hmm. way more here than it ever did yeah, in Oregon. so where, soft. Yeah. yeah. Yep. My, my, only, my only story is not really anything that happened, but it was like, when I got here, I was like, I have ammo in the car, like gun ammo. Mm. And I'm like, I should look that up and find out how hot <laughs> it can be before it just starts popping off. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it turns out it has to be a lot hotter than what my car probably is at any given time in the summer. Okay. But, you know, but it's worth, good to know. Worth helpful, Googling. helpful tip. Yeah. yeah. Worth Safety Googling first. Sure. Yeah. Safety first. <laughs> That's funny. Cool. Cool. Yeah, I'd like to kind of go back to what we were talking about. Just kind of how did you guys, mm. how did this happen? Like, how did this form? So, like, it's been in existence for five years, right? Or you've been doing this for about a lot five of conversation years. for the first. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, you know, as as Brandon mentioned, he was he started asking me a lot of questions about some of the research and customer insight that I was providing for some of my clients. So for Disney and Nickelodeon and Marvel and and Cartoon Network. And he was asking whether or not if you kind of pooled the startup communities here together, if, you know, you could provide that same insight for Mm -hmm. them. And if that would give our startup space here a competitive advantage. Well, the more we started to pick apart at that, we started to realize a couple of things. Not only did we think that was possible and could be a really good idea for these businesses, but we also believe that by raising the value of that customer group here in the Valley, we could make the Valley a better place for them. Mm. When we start changing how we perceive them uh, and make them into an asset, then we're going to invest more in them also because they're important to our businesses. And then when we started to look at the demographics and quickly realized that the demographics of the children in the Valley now are what the demographics are going to be for all of North America in the near future, and we saw we had a recipe to do something really special, or we hope we can. Hmm. So you're saying that. <clears throat> so you're saying that you guys, you guys are looking at the audience here, mm-hmm. helping businesses understand them, and therefore kind of creating this like cycle where they're putting more money, right. investing more money into young people. We well, you know you. We we brought you a T-shirt from our cross-border youth yep. summit, and one of Beautiful the partners. So oh, thank you. Um, our, you know the the sponsor of that was Cartoon Network, and they didn't sponsor it necessarily out of the goodness of their heart, even though they're really great people. But they recognize that, you know, this audience, these kids that we have here are what their whole audience is going to look like demographically in the future. So mm-hmm. this becomes a really great place to develop products and services for tomorrow. Hmm. So in what way is, uh, so are you saying that, that Phoenix kind of leads, um, there, there's some kind of, uh, something's happening here first, right? Because eventually if North America... It could. I mean, that's what we're trying to... Well, we know that the population is here now, and it's going to be in all of North America. The demographics are such that that's pretty clear. And that's that's all coming out of the U.S. Census Bureau. But no, are, are they actually paying attention to our children and youth now and considering them an asset? Not yet, but that's part of why we're working with Cradle, is to try to get... to reframe them. To reframe the 
the the the the view that business has of of the semographic? You know, we we've for so long we talk about the seas in Arizona, right? This is you know the climate and the cotton and the cattle um, and copper. Mm-hmm. Yep. Citrus and citrus. Citrus. Thank yes. you. Yeah. Uh, we want to you know we want to cast a sixth C, which is our children again mm-hmm. because. You know, if you wanted to develop something now that you knew wasn't going to hit market for a year, two years, three years, why not develop it um, for the you know an audience that looks today like the rest of the audience, the rest of the consumer group is going to look tomorrow, hmm. and that's here now. So demographically, gotcha. we have a population here that looks demographically how all of North America will look in the near future. Hmm. Interesting. Okay, hmm. so you guys having a lot of success with companies starting to realize that. Well, you know, this is the second year that we've done the Cross-Border Youth Summit, which is all about making the preferences of this generation heard to Mm -hmm. a larger audience. First, we did as a proof of concept, can we just get it off the ground? Can we we fund this? Can we get kids together to talk about these issues? This year, we almost tripled it in size, and we have our first Mm -hmm. money coming in from outside the state to sponsor Mm -hmm. it. Again, we also want to break the bubble of Arizona and we want money to come in from outside the valley. Mm-hmm. We think that will also go far to, you know, not only raise the the startup environment here but also help children and families in Arizona. It's very cool. That's that's a mm-hmm. uh, that's major growth in just 2 years with that event. That's that's awesome. Well, and it's super interesting to us because we're always trying to ask like what is special about Arizona? Like what qualitatively is special? Right. Not just like oh, it's cheaper to cheaper to start a business here, right? That's always, that's, I've said that a thousand uh-huh. times. I mean, um, and so, so that's really interesting. So this is actually a way that, that Arizona can, you know, kind of lead. Um, it's something not just money, not just cheap, you know. Exactly. Yeah. Well, that's I think really that, you know, we knew that, you know, 2014 was the first year that public schools had a non-white majority across mm-hmm. all of United States public schools. And yet, you know, I look at my own clients and, they're only now starting to think about these other demographics as they are developing products. They're behind. They know they're behind, but they don't actually know where to go to study some of you know, these you know, rapidly growing demographics. Hmm. And they could study them here, for example. Yeah, and I'm sure there's another layer to that, too, when they're thinking like not only like a, um, you know, an ethnic diversity mm-hmm. uh, issue, but also like a generational issue. Right, where they're having to kind of look at both that intersection of, of both challenges. Exactly, that's really interesting. So, so you guys, you guys talk about you guys talk about values. Um, values are important to you guys. Um, what is um, and so and so um, and so, Brandon? You have a lot of kind of background with the values in the business community. Right. Um, how is that? How is that kind of showing up in, in this? Because we're talking about kids now too, and right. I was kind of like sink it into me. And just like I think Sweden right has laws about how you can speak to kids and advertise mm-hmm. to kids. So there, there's probably a lot of responsibility mm-hmm. inherent in what you guys are doing. How do how do values do values play into that? Do yeah yeah no of course. I think what's interesting with us to go back to the event, because I think the event for us, the Cross-Border Youth Summit, really defines, I think, the opportunity beyond any kind of products or services or things that we develop within kind of this more of a lab environment with Cradle. And so what's been fascinating for Brad and I to see over these two years, um, really a year, because we just held our second event, um, was uh, has been the values that have been shared amongst these kids. Because half of the kids that come up for the Cross-Border Youth Summit, so we had about 450 this past year, 
half of those students come up from Sonora, Mexico. And so primarily from the Hermosillo area. And, you know, what's been fascinating for us is, you know, we wanted to kind of create this opportunity to give both regions this collective voice around some of the big topics that we discuss around education and media and society and commerce. I think the values, I think, portion is is this exchange of what being a, a friend means in these different regions, what being a good family member, how the values of family. In fact, we see in some cases that, you know, that that's that's perhaps a, a, a more of a priority in, with our friends down in Sonora. Um, they value those relationships maybe a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. And so we think that there's something interesting as, as we felt just bringing kids together is going to be amazing. Anytime you can bring that many kids together and keep it fairly organized and not lose one of them, like that's a success. But we're seeing kind of this cross-pollination of, um, you know, of, of just values of, of 12 and 13 and 14 and 15-year-olds. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's been really, really strong. I think at a company level, you know, maybe a slight segue for me is, you know, when, when you look at kind of the core values of any organization, and so this can be an event or it can be a company, it can be a startup, it can be whatever, you know, the correlate I, I always go back to is this idea of, of family, right? Mm-hmm. Your company is your family. The CEO of the company is kind of the, the patriarch or matriarch of this family. And, and maybe I'm going back a little bit to your original icebreaker, but um, I think there's a misconception there because there's something unconditional about family, right? Hmm. Your little brother can screw up and, you know, whichever way a little brother can screw up. Yeah. But the love there is unconditional where companies, startups, projects, whatever it is, there's what's unconditional there is performance and execution, so running companies that with a, through a core value of, of te- like a team-like atmosphere, right? Mm-hmm. We're a team. This is a professional team, in fact. So a lot of my you know work or a lot of my visibility into what it takes to start and grow a company is through more of that mindset. Just to touch on the values you know side of things, and so I think that's I think that's a real valuable kind of perception to to, to have distinguished between the two of that. It's really interesting because um, I noticed that it seems like in um, pop culture the family is becoming maybe less important in the United States anyway. That's just my perception. I don't know if that's true or not. Um, You guys are saying that there's actually... um, Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, well, no, and just to to that point and to kind of go back to to the event. So last year we had an opportunity because we had a smaller group of students. We had about 117 that came up from Hermosillo visit us last year for the event. Um, The the final event for them was a a community service project with St. Vincent de Paul. Mm. And so we took uh, the buses uh, to the campus in South Phoenix. One of the kids in on the bus remarked, he said, and it, I mean, it's just, you've got homeless all over the place there. They're waiting for the kitchen to open and some of the, the shelter, you know, those, the services to open. And um, one of the kids remarked, he said, where's, where, where are their families? And so he looked at, you know, that particular student, and that was kind of a shared sediment, you know, across the group. Now, it's not like there's not homelessness in Sonora or in Hermosillo in particular, but that was their initial reaction is they could see through the windows of these buses, people in despair, people that were displaced, people that were struggling. A couple of people trying to get on the bus, which was a little scary. <laughs> <laughs> but that was the initial, the, the initial reaction was, was incredibly heartfelt and incre- incredibly genuine, right? Mm. And, and and that was just a unique take for us. That was one of the stronger takeaways I think we took away from right. from the first year event. Well, I think it would also be a mistake to 
to confuse how families are portrayed in entertainment media with the values being held by you know the yep. people in our society mm-hmm. you know people um, have dysfunctional families in tv shows and movies uh, because it creates drama that's part of it in fact there are networks that have guidelines about not having complete families because it undermines the dramatic potential of the shows that you're <laughs> okay. creating they literally write that down as a guideline when you're writing shows mother and dad can't be present Mm. So, uh, because that creates drama. But when we talk to our kids, they're very, very clear about that. You know, they value their relationship with their parents. They value their family. We did a survey not that long ago, and we gave um, teenagers in the Valley a list of things that they could choose from about what would make them happier. And it included a better body, more beautiful, whatever they define that as, more money, more popularity. And the number one was more time with my parents. Interesting. Wow. <laughs> it's a little bit like not surprising at the same time, a little bit heartbreaking. Right, right. And look, parents on the other side, especially if you're a parent of a teenager, it doesn't seem like your teenager wants to spend more time with you. Right. They're not terribly great at giving you that feedback about it being <laughs> valuable to them. Right. Um, but it is. And then when we talk to them in surveys and we talk to them in, in focus groups or interviews, which we do, you know, it's very, very clear that these are the relationships they value the most. And mm. you've talked on this show before about, about trauma, mm. you know, that the number one antidote to trauma is relationships. Mm. Well, it's interesting because my son doesn't, he always, whenever he wants to, you know, he always wants to play with his friends or like play video games or something like that. And I took him camping last weekend and he was, I've never seen him happier, like mm-hmm. leading up yeah. to it. He was on cloud nine all day long. Nothing could burst his bubble. It was amazing, you know, and it was just kind of like, wow, you know, this is really special for kids. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, I mean... Well, we, you know, we blame technology, but we have to remember it's a technology that we as adults created and we gave it to them. And the reasons that they like the technology are baked in because we built them to be liked. We, bake the, we built them to match how they want to learn, really. Mm-hmm. So these video game and virtual environments are very, very comfortable because they match our developmental needs and how we want to learn. The real world is a little less comfortable, but ultimately more rewarding. Mm-hmm. And they would prefer to be there. Yeah. It's interesting. That's really interesting. That's awesome. Maybe I might switch gears a little bit. First of all, um, I hate to, hate to be the one to tell you guys this, but I think you spelled cradle wrong. <laughs> um, but I don't, I don't know if that was the time. Maybe that was wrong. <sighs> anyway, next, um, next question. So, you're just going to drop that bomb and then... And it was, it's a segue question. It's a segue <laughs> comment. Um, the, uh, the correct, uh, just, just to go over the acronym though, again, or the acrostic or initialism or whatever it is, um, Collaborative Research and Design Lab. But we, we agreed on Cradle and then I think that we both came back and thought that it, 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 it stood for something else. So we decided not to actually lock it down, but yeah. we, we kind of stay fluid with that. I always say Child Research and Development Lab. Um, ah, okay. But creative is nice too. Yeah. Brandon. The C is fluid, but so yes. Uh, so, so how is the, so, so has, what is the, why Phoenix? I mean, so other than the fact that, so we, we did talk about that the demographic mm-hmm. is, is changing here. Um, it's, it's, it's 
a predictive uh, to what the rest of the of North American demographics are right. going to be. So there, so there's one reason. But are you guys both from here? I mean, why why mm-hmm. why Phoenix? And is there anything that's about Phoenix that that makes this make sense and that made this work? What, yeah. what, or Arizona, yeah. 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 Or Arizona. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, you hear, I mean, certainly both natives. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's that. Uh, and I think as a native, I think there's a, obviously a certain draw and certain loyalty to a region. This is just where my wife and I, you know, decided to raise our kids. You know, we, and like most families, a lot of families, we could, we could have lived anywhere. There, there's something about this this region, though, despite the 117 degree <laughs> summers, that's incredibly inviting. And I think for me, particularly when you look at pockets of the valley, seeing how quickly they've developed and how they've developed has been really interesting. But then again, so all the superlatives of the region, you kind of take the good with the bad. There's still there's a, a political angle here that makes it challenging to. You know, where even the idea of, of like being very serious about adding the sixth C, you know, getting people to really focus in on children, because when they focus on it, then there's the benefits of, of an education system that needs to be improved, not across the board, but there's pockets where there's opportunities for improvement. And, and so I think seeing that there's, there's an opportunity to have an impact in a space that is, that is broad and, and complex and entangled in, in incumbent thinking that makes it very difficult. We can kind of come in as sort of insider slash outsiders and be very proactive about some of the things, not the least of which being this event, hmm. which when you pitched it, in fact, we were eight, nine weeks out of the event and you'll relate to this, Mike, and we hadn't raised a dime. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we're your just scrambling, trying to figure out how we're going to, because for us, it's all about the content and the experience. Mm-hmm. Keep in mind the, the, the investment that our, our guests from Sonora make to, to even get up here. And so that was for us kind of this awakening is like, well, is the region accepting mm-hmm. of this idea? Not just the event itself, but just this idea of it. Um, or a status quo sufficient because I think anybody wanting to kind of play this change maker role, I think is, is constantly faced with those obstacles of barriers that already exist. Um, and I think for us, I think the breaking point for us, um, was also an epiphany. It's like, well, we're not, nobody's doing us any favors by supporting an activity like this, supporting what we're trying to do for the Valley. In many cases, we're, we're the ones doing a favor the heavy lifting that it takes to bring this type of group together to have kind of this imperative. Um, and, and as soon as we started to frame it that way, things started to make sense quicker mm-hmm. for them. It started to connect with them. Yeah, what's the um, value in it for them? Yeah. And, and, and so that started to relate. Um, so that, that I think that at the end of the day, it was really valuable. Mm-hmm. There's also a lot of challenges that mimic challenges other regions uh, and other cities and other states across the country face. And so to go back to Brad's point, to be able to develop products and services related to that and to have them proven out in a market like this makes them uh, uh, more scalable, I think, than if you were, say, in another market where you're kind of isolated on your visibility on, on you know, who the end user is. Mm-hmm. So we're looking at projects to benefit the foster care community right mm-hmm. now. We're looking at projects to, which we can get into if we want. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're looking at projects to, um, to help uh, mental health care in schools. Mm-hmm. So these are pretty big audacious things, but if you can prove them out in a market mm-hmm. like Phoenix and across the state like Arizona, 
there's nothing preventing it from expanding into other states. And so that's the way we look at market market penetration beyond yeah beyond it's kind those. of that test bed, and then you can yeah see if it's replicatable. Right. Well, and and it all comes from kind of this strength based approach. So we do have great businesses that are starting here, but they don't have great direction or their direction is the exact same as every other startup community <laughs> on the planet, right? Yeah. So there's nothing that they really have to focus on or to distinguish themselves. Mm. And then we have this great resource in that our kids are a market that looks like the rest of the United States um, is going to look in the future. So we take those two things together and we think about, well, um, what can we do? What's the product? What's a need that's out there that, uh, that benefits kids that are startup companies can work on and that we can develop here and then take outside of this region. Mm-hmm. And we're doing that, you know, we're, we're pretty selfish in how and why we're doing this because we live here mm-hmm. and we want this place to be better for businesses and we want it to be better for our kids. And we think that we can do both and that that, that rising tide will raise both of those boats. That's awesome. So what are, what are some other... Um, <clears throat> So you mentioned there there are some other advantages um, and other other ways that that Phoenix is a, a test market. You mentioned the foster care system. What are some? Uh, what, have you have you guys thought of many other um, things about the? Well, one of the things is that you know our identity is pretty wide open. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know, and that's something that we complain about a lot actually in this space. Is you know what is you know Phoenix's signature event? Yep. What is our? What are we known for? And so a lot of our discussions have been about the fact that the, that this kid space is wide open. So sometimes we, we talk about it this way. We say, okay, so let's say that you're new to the automotive industry and you wanted to go somewhere in the world for a week to be immersed in it and learn everything you could about it. And you'd say, well, you know, of course I'd go to Detroit Auto Week. Hmm. You say, okay, um, what if you wanted to learn you know, everything about the fashion industry? You'd go well, like Fashion Week in New York City or in Milan. So, okay, what if we wanted to learn about the kid business? And the kid business is a real business. Mm-hmm. You know, this current generation is personally responsible, is the single largest consumer group in the United States. They're responsible for $143 billion in spendings themselves, and they influence an additional $333 billion. Right? So where do you go to learn about that market? Nobody's claimed it. Hmm. Why not us? And if we claimed it, not only would it benefit the region because people would come in here to study kids, it would help our businesses here because they'd have a focus. And then if we're treating our children here like an asset, then we're going to start investing in them in a real way and at levels that we see great education communities and great healthcare communities investing. Hmm. That's really interesting. I think that's not a conversation that we've, I mean, we've been running this podcast for over two years. We haven't heard this one. This we haven't awesome. heard this one. And that, I mean, that's one of the questions we're asking every person yep. that comes on is what is the identity of our state right. and yeah. the major metro area in particular? And, you know, I think different, different people come with different angles and, and maybe some ideas. But you guys are, uh, I think, ahead and <laughs> <laughs> that you've, you've done the homework. You've done the research to understand, like, where is their opportunity? Mm-hmm. Not just, like, what does it feel like their, our identity is, but... Where is there actually a competitive opportunity to, to take a hold of something that isn't claimed yet and right. own it, um, as well as matching that with what's already here? Right. Because you have to have both. I have, I have an off script question for you. Okay. So, <laughs> do you guys do, so there's some quanti- quantitative data in mm-hmm. there. Do you guys do qualitative um, research with the kids? Mm-hmm. 
have, have, have you run across any insights that are particularly interesting um, that, uh, that surprised you? Well, surprise isn't, is, isn't the exact word. We, we rolled the dice with the first cross-border youth summit. Um, sometimes when you think summit, you think of people sitting and they listen to speakers. So at all of our summits, they're geared to figuring out ways for the youth to talk and then present a story back to adults. And so the very first one we did, we, we knew statistically, we had an idea about how they were going to respond to different questions. Um, but we had no guarantee, and we were going to report out what they said no matter what. Mm-hmm. And we were kind of locked in. Uh, in fact, in this last Crossbar Youth Summit, we didn't filter what they were saying at all. They mm-hmm. had direct digital feedback, and they were sending all of their responses, all their insights, all their ideas to giant screens in real time. And, you know, th- so the surprise was maybe exactly how great this generation is. Like you mm-hmm. can look at it on paper, but then to hear it from their mouth uh, is is wonderful. They're incredibly hardworking. Mm. They're very dedicated to the future. That's one of the reasons why you see their stress levels being much higher than previous generations because they are so worried and dedicated to this future. What other insights surprised you, Brandon? Yeah, I think that's... Um, I, I mean, I, I look at... Uh, I think when we're faced with what well, it's this story, it's, it's the Kino Bay kids, mm. I think. So there was a, there was a community down in Sonora called Kino Bay. Um, there was a group of students there that really wanted to participate, heard about the summit from last year, really wanted to participate this year and had been spending eight to nine months working in the community, uh, raising money to get them there because it's, it's quite an investment of the families down there. You've got travel visas, you've got, Obviously, transportation, hotels, and things like that. Right away, you know, at the day of the event, we had a chance to meet with some of these students. These are students from Kino Bay. It's like, oh, it's great. And hearing some of the stories, some of the stuff that they worked on, a lot of it was manual labor. They were just mm-hmm. working. They were just trying to do whatever they could to raise enough money to go. So at the end of the summit, they, the group of kids from Sonora uh, were all on stage, and, and Brad and I are there, and they have gifts for us. And it turned out it was gifts from the kids from Kino Bay. Mm-hmm. So they had raised enough money to not only get them there, but they had leftover money and they chose to use that money for mm-hmm. gifts for us. And so it's, I mean, there's just not a dry eye in the place. I'm, <laughs> you know, I'm doing everything I can to hold it together. But it, it does maybe go a little bit back to the values question, right? It's mm-hmm. like, I've, I've worked so hard. What else can I, oh, I, I need to show my gratitude to mm-hmm. a couple guys with an idea, right? I mean, we didn't. We didn't put in, I mean, we put in the work to host the event, but that was incredible. And, and this isn't an amusement park that they're going exactly, to. You know, they right, they yeah, spend right. their time in discussion it's and they're creating policy statements. And some of what they're doing is actual, honest-to-goodness market research. They're mm-hmm. responding to products and services yeah. and they're giving their opinion. So they paid their own way to come here and to give their opinion on issues mm-hmm. and work pretty hard and then thanked us for doing it. <laughs> yeah. Not bad. Yeah, that was an <laughs> <Yeah>, <laughs> opportunity. <clears throat> Not a bad. Deal. It is. But we were getting similar feedback from youth from you know the, the valley as well. Um, that mm-hmm. interaction. You know, we make it a cross border youth summit because there we we aren't exactly sure where the values and perspectives are being defined, mm-hmm. but we know that it's porous. So that we know that as uh, immigration continues and as, again, if you you believe the Census Bureau, the continued Hispanification of North America, where exactly are those values being formed? Well, they're being formed somewhere. 
in that transition. And so we want to get the range of values as we start to talk about this generation to mm-hmm. companies and educators and governments and media. Yeah. That's really interesting. Kind of that, those, the range, but also I'm sure there's some extremes in there too, as you're looking at that range. Exactly. Kind of seeing like where this, is it, where it's shifting um, and how it's shifting. It's really it, you know, it, What's interesting about the range, though, is uh, how accepting they are of their differences. Again, it's because it's the world that we built for them. So when kids right now get on Fortnite and if they get into a group match where they're forming teams, they don't know where the other kids are playing from. Mm-hmm. And, and they're joining in from really all over the globe. And they're forming teams and they're speaking different languages on these teams that they're forming. And then they're forming friendships with people that they play with online. And they're forming those friendships based on how those people play that game with them. Mm. Mm. Did they cooperate? Did they follow the rules? Did they help? Were they selfish? And so people, adults can complain about, you form a friendship online? That's crazy. But forming a friendship based on how somebody plays a game, that's not such a bad way to form a friendship. Mm. And they don't care where they're from. They don't care what language they speak. They don't care what the color of their skin is or anything like that. They're using how they play, how they treat one another. Uh, so they're used to that. When they go on YouTube and watch videos, which I'm sure if you have children in your home, you're sick of them doing that. But notice, they, they don't first go, okay, let me only look at videos from, you know, from the Arcadia region of Phoenix because those <laughs> right. are going to be the best, right? <laughs> Right. They, they're looking at whatever video is resonating with them, and they're w- looking at videos that are produced all over the world. And so sometimes these borders that we put up or these barriers that we put up, we've already created a generation that thinks differently about them. We mm. need to recognize that, and we need to incorporate that into the products and services that we develop. Another transition here, talking about Phoenix, taking it back to Phoenix and Arizona. How has the how has the how has Arizona contributed to what you guys are doing? How has being here been a good place for, for Cradle? Well, yeah, I mean, I think for the obvious reasons around the diversity of the market, I think that's definitely a benefit. And actually, I don't think we, we've talked about the diversity enough to the extent that um, when you look at even just, just spoken word, even just languages and, and the fact that, you know, legislation you might hear about where it's saying, well, the, the kids that are, you know, English as a second language were spending too much time and they're being, you know, kind of um, uh, split from from the other from the other kids. And, you know, I, th- I think when, I think as a region, like we, we need to come around to just embracing this fact. I think that's going to make things much more powerful. You're going to see that start to permeate through things that we don't necessarily have any control over through things like legislation. But I, I think at the end of the day, I think we... You know, and, and I think because of the worlds that we also live in, you know, we're we're getting pulled into. I'll, I'll use this kind of to sloppily segue into the foster care project that we're working on. But you know, Brad and I got pulled into a group, and it was a roundtable discussion that was really focused on some of the bigger challenges that are facing the foster care community here. And as they're going around, a lot of the things that we were picking up on were not unlike a lot of the things that the startup community that they feel disconnected. Uh, they feel under-resourced, and they feel that um, 
you know, their their voices aren't being heard in an effective way. And these are like foster parents that you're these are about? These are, it, it's a consortium of foster parents, uh, uh, young adults that had grown up in the system, uh, agencies, agency executives, executive directors of nonprofits that were so, so it was all kind of, of everybody. All the, all the, the stakeholders you just mentioned all are all yeah. feeling disconnected. Well, they in their own bubbles again, again, like the start. They they feel it's like, well, no, we're we feel like we have things, you know, connected. But if you look at like what an organ or what a what a community like that exists to serve, it's it's at risk and displaced children. Mm. There's roughly eighteen thousand in the state of Arizona that at any given time are displaced. So in the foster care system, within group homes, or um, and so as you start to understand this market, um, you start to realize that. At really, at the end of the day, this is just a ecosystem, if you will, that hasn't been necessarily touched by technology in a way that we use Slack or we use Facebook mm-hmm. or we use whatever. Now, things like Facebook, they've been using. This is group of foster care parents create their own private group. That's how they stay connected. Their biggest challenge was actually finding relevancy in the resources that were out there. So whether you're an entrepreneur or a, a newly minted foster care family, foster care parent, what are the resources that are accessible to me? Because now I have a four-year-old on my doorstep. I don't have a lot of history on them. What do I do? Mm-hmm. Okay, I can revert back to my training or I can understand, have some way to understand that. So as you, as you started to look at some of these things, and then the next layer was them having understanding of, you know, for example, open beds, right? It's like the agencies didn't know who had been through the process, who had been properly licensed to offer, you know, temporary or respite care for, you know, kids in need, right? And so what comes to mind if you finding open beds, Airbnb. Hmm. So these are technologies that exist that all of us, even people in the room are like, oh, yeah, I do use that, right? Yep. Even if it's a matter of, of resource or uh, collect effectively organizing resources, whether it's video-based trainings or content. You know, everybody's done indexing before. None of these things are challenged. Slack and other utilities have have kind of perfected communications, right? So we're looking at this from perspective, well, if you blend all these different technologies into a community that is badly needing this, is badly under-resourced, is looking at statistics like for every new foster care parent in the system, one is exiting hmm. Because they're frustrated. They've thrown their hands up. It's like, I got into this for all the best intentions. I don't have the resources to be successful as a foster care parent. So we look at those as, as you know, tremendous opportunities. Mm-hmm. We're working with a wonderful local nonprofit called Foster Arizona to help solve some of that. Mm-hmm. And we're actually prototyping some solutions to that. But that's that's one example. It's regional-based. But again, that's another thing that, you know, these are consistent challenges that lots of markets face. And so the diversity and uniqueness, I think, maybe perhaps of our market helps us scale a project like that. Yeah, I actually heard. Um, so our church is kind of big, like, you know, um, it's always encouraged, right? And there's actually mm-hmm. a group that meets there. So there's a little bit of, you know, community there. But uh, probably it, it's, it sounded like there were, Arizona's particularly has a particularly high per person rate of kids who need homes, kids in the foster care system. Yeah, we were going the opposite direction of the national trends for a long time. Some of that has been um, corrected a little bit, but we still have a, a very high number. So our, our kids are both, like you know this, um, we're, they're both adopted. Um, Ryan, our oldest, came through the state of mm-hmm. Oregon. And um, one of the things I noticed uh, out of what you're saying is that, um, so you get your training at the very beginning. Some of it seems so irrelevant and theoretical. Right. And um, you don't really know what questions to ask. Right. 
Not that you would remember it 10 years later when they're 17 and a teenager and you start getting these, you know? And so, and so it seems like I, I would want something now, but if you asked me right now, and we, I think we have pretty good stability right now, he's seven. But um, if you asked me, I don't know, in five years, I don't know if I'd know what to ask, uh, if I'd know where to go for that information, right? For authoritative, mm -hmm. um, you know, something that's well thought out rather than just someone's experience that may or may not relate right. to my particular situation, you know? <clears throat> and so I can see that being kind of handy. <laughs> and, and again, it, it's not necessarily... When they're rebelling, right. you know, you're not my dad. <laughs> and it's, I don't think we're inventing anything, but rather we're, yeah. we're taking this, this need, this real market, this, this need that's, that's child-based, and we're looking at like solutions that our own startup community can create. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's going to benefit this, these startups because it's going to give them something to work for. That's going to give them a goal to mm -hmm. to develop their business towards. It's going to benefit kids uh, because you know every every time they get moved to a different home because that home was unable to meet their needs, they weren't prepared for them. They didn't know how to handle it. That creates a tremendous amount of trauma that then the whole state has to pay for tax base wise. Um, so it benefits kids and then. As that grows and expands beyond the state, it really benefits our entire ecosystem. That's what we're trying to do. So we're trying to do that first with foster care system. We have another project we're working on around school counseling. Very similar approach. Uh, you know, we have a tremendous lack of school counselors in Arizona. And so we're looking at how to leverage technologies to bring more counselors into classrooms and, and help kids de-escalate and, mm. and cope and have healthier, better outcomes. That's very cool. That's very cool. It's happening here too. <laughs> yeah. Of course, I'm biased and partial, but yeah. So, Chris, did we have another question, or did we did we cover the main points? Um, so I think we covered the main points. Yeah. Cool. You guys are doing the cross border youth summit again, right? Mm -hmm. When is that coming up? Well, we did there. Are we three weeks? Oh my goodness! Past, no, no, no uh, we, do, we just okay, had. Just, it. Yeah, we no, just, no, no, we, I don't like, know if I'm yeah. fully recovered I felt like from that, the last that just one. Happened. There. You're doing it again in three weeks, right? <laughs> no, you know the other reason. Just to to say one of the other That's things why <laughs> you know why Arizona too is we do have like amazing forward thinking you know foundations and institutions here. We have mm. the Flynn Foundation here, probably one of the better foundations in the entire country, and thinking about education needs and, and looking forward, you know, in technology, not on just in the bio sector, but, you know, in the arts as well. We've had tremendous support from the city of Phoenix and mm -hmm. recognizing that, you know, more needs to be done with this population to, to benefit the businesses in Phoenix. We've had a tremendous amount of support from the governor's office of Youth, Faith and Families, who are, again, are looking at, you know, not only how we better understand children so that we can decrease their needs, but also, you know, make them healthier, more productive citizens in the future. So, you know, we're getting, and if you, if you think about the different, maybe political leanings of the different groups we mentioned, they're not always on the same side of the aisle, but we've been getting support for them because this is about kids and this is about the future. And so I do give Arizona credit for that. Hmm. And there's, we have a long ways to go, <laughs> but, you know, I think that we are uh, impressed by some of the leadership we're seeing. Hmm. What do you see as some of the bigger challenges kind of facing the ecosystem in regards to like moving this forward with kids in our state? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think for us in in the 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 I think the freedom, I guess, that we we don't feel 
beholden to any particular group. Um, you know, we're kind of renegades, but kind of not. We're still disciplined in the idea of like what the vision is all about. And so when we look into the future, you know, we, I think that what our view of barriers are probably a little bit different in the sense of just the event itself. I mean, clearly there's a demand, mm-hmm. right? And so this, you know, not having the pressure of, of having to promote a big event and have all this thing and just kind of hope, you know, if we build it, they will come kind of thing. The demand on the Sonoran side has been incredible. The demand on the Arizona, or I should say the U.S. side has been incredible. Mm-hmm. So for us, it becomes a challenge of really, yeah, again, zeroing in on what content is and, and focusing on really the product. Like, what what do we want the outcome to be? Because mm-hmm. if we just wanted to put together a field trip, we could put together a field trip. But this is really about the experience. So the feedback we get, not only from Sonora, which has been incredible, but also our Arizona schools, is is really kind of driven what the future of this looks like. So next year, it could very well look more like a conference. Hmm. It could be more of an open, collaborative experience where we can... Um, you know, bring in a lot more students than we did this year. Um, we have some incredible partners down in Sonora that make that whole thing work. Otherwise, we wouldn't be able to do this. Um, and so that being said, we're still understanding what those numbers kind of look like. Um, but, you know, when, when I mean, my kids, both of our kids are, are in middle school and you know, it's it's the zoo and the science center and, and kind of, you know, a couple of core things as far as experiences outside the classroom. And I just listed off three great venues. Right. But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, what are we what are we providing our kids? What are those experiences outside the classroom? Do they involve other schools? And if they involve other schools, do they involve other kids from other countries? That's really powerful. Like, why not get kids from Canada or from anywhere, you know, for a cross border youth summit? And so I think that's our biggest challenge is in is really like what are we willing to kind of take on and commit to because um, we feel like this was going to be the painful year. This was going to be the difficult year. We had to tell that story. We had to fine tune it. We had a budget that required us to fine tune it because we had to raise the support to pull this off. Yeah. We got a lot of people's year now. So that I think that's going to be interesting. Bringing in investment from outside the state, we we also are still overcoming an obstacle about some perceptions that people from, you know, outside of Arizona have because mm. of, of, how, of how Arizona has made national news in recent years. So because of that, you know, specifically in the kids space, people who are, you know, investing R&D dollars on product services, media for children, um, they haven't always had the most favorable view of our state because of those those past laws that we've passed and maybe law enforcement officials that we elected and things, um, they know all about that. And and so th- they're still adjusting their perspectives on the state as a great place to come and do work. So mm-hmm. we have to overcome that too, but we're slowly chipping away at that as well. So so um, is there room for uh, more than Cartoon Network or are they pretty much locked you guys down? <laughs> you know, actually we, we had meetings with, um, you know, people at, at Nickelodeon, people at NBC Universal, uh, people at, at, you know, at Cartoon Network. They all got it, in, but it was just trying to figure out how it fits in their strategy. Um, just like, you know, I can tell you that anybody in the kids space is recognizing that they have a big chunk of their audience that they aren't developing products and services for. It's right for children to look at a, at a franchise and say, where am I? Where am I represented? 
And if we know that, you know, a huge percentage of the United States, for example, uh, self-identifies as Latinx, and you look at the Avengers, and there's not a Hispanic Avenger, you know, where am I? Mm-hmm. And it's right for the kids to ask that. They want to be able to relate. And so everybody is kind of scrambling now to say, yeah, I, you know, my, my products, my services have to be um, reflect who the United States is. And we haven't, we've ignored some people so far. So anyone can benefit. I think they all know. And there is room. There's plenty of room. <laughs> How big of a check are we talking about? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, we'll take it. <laughs> We'll ask our listeners. Yeah. <laughs> well, and then what is, uh, let's see, time check, five minutes. Mm-hmm. Should we get to close or can I ask one more question? No, ask question? one more. Let's do it. Um, so so what is, what's an example of, um, of what a company has gotten, gotten out of this and um, maybe put into it? So, I, you know, I, I think that um, we did a session at this most recent Cross-Border Youth Summit uh, around arts organizations, and it was funded by the Flynn Foundation. We know that this current generation, sometimes referred to as Generation Z, um, we like a different name for them, um, one that Frank Maggot created, which was called the Plurals Generation. They're very, they value the arts very much, and they create art mm-hmm. at unprecedented levels. But are they, do they have the relationship with arts institutions the way that, they, um, that these arts institutions want to have? What we were able to provide for some of the, you know, kind of the the cornerstones of the arts environment in the Valley is feedback from these youth on exactly what they wanted and how they wanted to engage with, you know, a Mesa Center for the Arts or hmm. Ballet Arizona or a Phoenix Art Museum or a Child's Play. And that's information that they got in real time from them in response to things and programs that they were thinking about that they can then turn around and use to more effectively, you know, reach out to them and involve them. Mm. That sounds like a big win. Big win, win, win. <laughs> well, I just, I just remember that uh, story from, um, from shoot, the company that does all the project design in, in the Bay area. Anyway, you'll think of them. They're like the biggest one. Idea. Um, idea. Talking about the, the toothbrush thing. And they're like, yeah, the assumption was always you just make a toothbrush smaller for a kid, right? And so, um, but they they went in there and they watched kids brush their teeth and they, it was swimming around in their hand and they were punching themselves in the face and it was just really hard to brush their yeah. teeth. So they made, just because of that research, right, asking the, not necessarily, they didn't even know what question to ask, right? They were just watching. Right. So, and so they they ended up making a fat handle toothbrush and ended up being like the best-selling, for nine months, the best-selling like kid's toothbrush, yeah. right? And so... um you know, there's a lot of, uh, you can't just make it smaller. You don't make it just like make it pink for girls and then right. you make it smaller for kids yeah, right. and then, you know, and assume that it's just like going to work, right? Yeah. It's awesome. Thank you guys so much cool. for coming Thank on you. today. Is there anything in particular you want to plug or, you know, give a shout out to outside of things we've already talked about? I think so. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. Nothing. Uh, I think Brad and I are looking forward to a, a break. Yeah, mm-hmm. sounds like here in a couple weeks. But, very uh, busy. Yeah, cradle.co, C-R-A-D-L.co. Yeah. Stay in tune there. Um, and that's where all the information on the Cross-Border mm-hmm. Youth Summit is, is put up there. Um, you know, if you have ideas for products and services for kids and you want to think, you want to see if we can benefit by bringing in the research or the resources from the local startup communities, we'll happy to, you can reach us there and we can help out with that as well. That's awesome. Cradle.co. Mm-hmm. Cool. That's awesome. Thank you guys so much for coming on today. We really appreciate the conversation. 
A uh, few closing remarks. Uh, Chris, can I, can I do it this time? Go for it, Chris. Well, <laughs> this is it for another episode of the Easy Brandcast where we delve into the makings of remarkable brands here in the state of Arizona. Thank you all so much for joining us. If you'd like more of Easy Brandcast, you can subscribe to all of our episodes on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you prefer to get your podcasts. To contact Mike or I, just find out more. Um, to find out more about the Easy Brandcast, check out our website at easybrandcast.com. There you can also get on our newsletter list and make sure you never miss another episode or update from Mike or me or I. <laughs> A special thank you to our producer, Karen Nowicki. Thanks, Karen, as always. Of Phoenix Business Radio X and our gracious host here at Max 6 <laughs> Conscious Workspace, where we spend most of our time. <laughs> and don't forget, you are remarkable. Thanks, everybody. <laughs>